0: Welcome to the Digital Business Models Podcast, hosted by Gennaro Cofano, creator of 4WeekMBA.com. The 4WeekMBA.com is a leading resource of business insights, top business schools around the world reference to it as the go-to place for business insights. Now it's podcast. Digital Business Models will break down for you how tech companies make money, what value propositions they offer, why they are successful, and what they're doing next. From Amazon, Google, Facebook, and many others, the Digital Business Models podcast will give you the top business education you need to understand the digital business world. Whether you're an entrepreneur, an executive, or wanting to be an entrepreneur, the Digital Business Models Podcast is your go-to place for your business education.
1: Today we have with us uh, Felix Hoffman, uh, the CEO of the Business Model Innovation Lab, uh, which is a spin-off from the University of St. Gallen. So thank you for, for joining us, uh, Felix.
2: Hi, hey, hi, hey, Gennaro. Yeah. Happy yeah. to be here.
1: Yeah, it, it was. It's a pleasure because uh, first of all, uh, just to give a bit of context to the people that will be listening to to the, this uh, this episode. Um, the the uh, Business Model Innovation Lab is a spin-off from the University of St. Gallen, and uh, you know, behind the, the business, uh, business Model Innovation Lab there are also the people who uh, authored uh, the Business Model Navigator, which is one of my uh, favorite books when it comes to understanding the business model uh, innovation. So really, I'd love to start you know uh, understanding from you, how did you get involved with, uh, with the Business Model Innovation? Uh, what brought you here?
2: yeah so um, actually I got involved when I about 10 years ago when I started my first company, a startup in the field of uh, education. It was a, like a textbooks uh, platform and uh, we developed a business model the pay- company was called Paper C. so basically you pay only for what you see. So the idea was to create a freemium uh, business model for, for digital textbooks. And this was at the time when I was studying in Berlin and uh, writing my my diploma thesis at the time. Uh, So I got involved uh, basically from the practical side. And then, of course, um, we changed the business model uh, several times. We pivoted, and, uh, yeah. So I, I learned that business innovation is not just developing an idea and then going with it. So, it's also a lot of testing and mm-hmm. uh, iteration. Um, and then four and a half years later, I um, went back to university. So, I left the company, I left the startup and then I met Professor Gassmann, Oliver Gassmann and uh, Professor Karin Frankenberger, the two professors that uh, wrote the book Business Model Navigator, where they basically. Um, described all the possible business models that you can ever think of uh, when you develop a business model. And I found this very uh, interesting, intriguing uh, to have this total overview because it's quite often that you uh, think just about one business model and don't think about all the options. Uh, So I think that was the uh, motivation for me to join BMI Lab.
1: Interesting, and uh, as you said, uh, I had a conversation um, not long ago with also Ashmaira, uh, which is the the, the author of uh, the running lean and it was interesting because we discussed more or less the same uh, aspect, which is, you know, business model innovation is also a lot about uh, tweaking your business model to find the right, uh, the right fit, uh, you know, and also to find the right uh, uh, monetization strategies, the right patterns. So it's not something that, uh, you know, because for, for many people, business model innovation is just, you come up with this brilliant idea, you have this business model and everything works out. But in reality, you have to actually, uh, change a lot of things you have to experiment a lot of things before actually it might uh, even start to uh, all the pieces come together and mm-hmm. it, it's interesting because you um, started uh, with a freemium model when uh, uh, it was not uh, i mean today the freemium is quite popular um back in 2008 probably less uh, so so i yes. your experience with the freemium model uh, did you find to be like uh, an effective model in your case uh or were like the drawbacks
2: <laughs> yeah, so actually, uh, in general, I think freemium model is a good model. Also, also for for publishing, also for books, it uh, can work. Um, so what we basically did wrong was uh, we had some kind of wrong incentives, like like uh, what what later became uh, famous as vanity metrics, right? So also we had some investors that were just looking at users, active users, and not so much about the conversion rates. So. Basically, our motivation was just to get more and more users. So we grew the the the, the free part. But then later, the investors changed, said basically, okay, now we want to see the revenues. And then we basically had to um, quickly convert them into paying users. And then we struggled with that. Uh, so it was more like a, the wrong kind of KPIs incentive thing, I think. Not so much the business model itself. That didn't work. And another mistake actually that we did, but you never know before, is we we had like a freemium paper use business model, so uh, as the company was called Paper C, it was really on a pay per page base, and this was um a little bit cumbersome when you really wanted to purchase something you needed to upload credits uh it was it was not very convenient and later we wanted to shift the business model uh in also a freemium model but more like a spotify like a like a premium subscription or a free version. Um, but at the time, we already had like hundreds of contracts with the old business model, uh, so it wasn't easy to, to to change the business model at the time. So that also was for me uh, a little bit the uh, the insight that okay, we basically we betted on the wrong horse, uh, and uh, basically. Um, fixed the business model too early. We had, should have been much more flexible at the time. So, as I said, uh, yeah, so this was really 2008, 2009. So this was before the book "Lean Startup" was published. And then, of course, m- most people got much smarter <laughs> in developing business models. It, yeah, but this was a bit too early.
1: Yeah, very, very, very interesting aspect. And um, the the freemium model, uh, you know, everyone, especially in the startup world, uh, it's uh, it's controversial because. Uh, we know for a fact that the freemium model can scale up the marketing of a company because you can mm. get many users in so uh, so quickly but like for me i'm i'm uh, uh, in business development i know that no, not all the leads and not all the users are will ever actually convert in in paid users so yes. um, uh, that, that's that's uh, when you say i think it makes sense uh, to look at really uh, paid paid users because otherwise you end up uh, looking at the wrong uh, kpis and interesting i was looking at the uh, the balance sheets of, uh, of uh, slack which is about to go uh, public but also other companies uh, in the startup space uh, those companies that managed to reach you know billions dollars of valuation and the mm-hmm. interesting aspect is that even though for instance some of them are running a freemium model they're still running at uh, net losses so um, mm-hmm. my, my question is uh, do you think it's uh, can we can we call a business model viable when uh, when we're missing the profit formula. So when those companies are growing very, very quickly, but then they're not making a profit yet.
2: Yes. Um, I think that's a pretty uh, old discussion. So a lot of big startups had huge valuations before becoming profitable uh, and, and sometimes not even having uh, revenues. Um, but... Um, of course, it's it's very diffi- difficult because when you don't see the conversion, uh, it's really hard to imagine if people would convert and how many would convert to really calculate or extrapolate if this becomes a profitable business models uh, sooner or later. I-, I think that's 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 very uh, it's still high risk at the time, right? So, uh, but of course, it's on the one hand you might have millions or billions of users, and they, yeah, uh, but on the other hand. You just have kind of assumptions, still assumptions, if one percent it can be totally different than if with three or five people a uh, percent uh, of the of your of your customers would convert to paying users, so it's still you can make a lot of scenarios, and it's still uh, very, very uncertain uh, if your business model becomes profitable, so uh, you definitely have to have to um, take this into the calculation of your evaluation. Right and um, yeah, so there's no guarantee at this time.
1: Yep, and I, I was looking just to uh, very go, go back quickly to the Slack uh, business model, then we we can move forward. But mm-hmm. it was interesting to me looking at you know from from uh, like um uh, over uh, half a million uh, free users in reality mm-hmm. then the the the. Um, uh, the customers which were making up to like 40% of, of the company's revenues in 2019 were actually 575 customers, which were more or less enterprise customers that Slack was uh, is acquiring to uh, direct uh, Salesforce. So it was interesting to me how on one end, you of course, you can use the freemium to really, uh, let's say, enhance uh, your brand, especially for people to know you so that you can become a sort of a standard. But then on the other end, you still need them a sort of direct sales force to, to actually manage to uh, yeah. understand what is the, the good side of those users So from, from the commercial standpoint. So I think uh, that, that one is a very uh, important, important aspect. Yeah. And just to go back to the to a very basic definition, which is important because, you know, everyone is talking about business modeling, but then uh, it seems that someone means something, some, you know, someone else means uh, something else. So wh- yeah. what, what is your definition of a business model?
2: Yes. um, So uh, the definition, I think it's still very common to use just a revenue model and, and name that the business model. So I see that still basically every day uh, when you look at slide decks that you have, like, okay, this is our way proposition. This is the customer. This is the problem, blah, blah, blah. And this is the business model. And then they actually just talk about how they want to earn money. Um, So for us, is uh, coming from the university and, and uh, also it's very similar to the definition of Osterwalder's business model canvas, basically the whole uh, set of, uh, of dimensions. So a lot of dimensions, basically the whole business, um, this basically formula that makes a business model viable is the business model. So we have the definition uh, of the four, uh, w-, the four uh, w questions, basically the four questions to who, the what, the how, and the why. So we say, who is the customer? We need to first understand the customer. We need to um, be able to describe the customer because also uh, a business motivation can be a new customer or at least a new customer problem that we that we target. Um, so that's that's one element of the business model. Then the what, basically the, the products and service that we offer, but also the, the benefits that we create, the problems that we solve. So describing the what, and of course, the what and the who needs to fit together, right? So I need to solve the problem um, that the customer has. Uh, and then the third dimension is the how dimension. So basically, what um, the key partners are, the the key activities and the key resources in the business model canvas. And then um, the the why dimension, which we say is not the not the Simon Sinek why uh, what the purpose, is more about the the profit profit formula. So. Why do we earn more money than we have costs? And then, of course, a big part of that is the revenue model. Uh, but that's for us, the revenue model is just one element of the why. So it's about costs and revenues and the revenues, different revenue streams and the, the revenue logic. Uh, and all these four questions together for us describe the business model.
1: Interesting. This is uh, so important because uh, I, I noticed the same thing. Uh, also in the way uh, people search for business models uh, is that uh, they actually think that um, the way they make money, the companies make money is just the same thing as a business model when, as you Ooh. said, a model is something yes. we more holistic and it needs to take into account uh, all other pieces that we need to put together in order to have actually a viable business model. And uh, instead, when it sure. comes to um, uh, the difference between a business model pattern and a business model, how can we actually uh, make, uh, understand the difference between the
2: two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so the, the the framework that I just described is basically just the questions, the, the empty canvas, right? Just uh, this this uh, kind of frame but then of course you can fill this with life, you can fill this with ideas and, and you can describe an existing business model or you can t- describe like a vision for a future business model but then you have a concrete case and the business model ca- uh, pattern is uh, basically on a different level. So we say it's a, it's a recurring logic that you see in very different business models and in very different products and industries, but it's always the same kind of logic why it works. Uh, and it's best explained with an example. Uh, so we always use the Razor and Blade uh, business model pattern as an example to show it. Um, so Razor and Blade got its name from Gillette uh, since Gillette is selling razors and razor blades for more than a hundred years with this kind of same logic, uh, selling cheap uh, razors and then very expensive razor blades. Uh, and basically, of course, you have the, the lock-in first with the razor. So there are a lot of patents used, etc. So there's only the official Gillette razor blades that work with the razor. Uh, and then you have the high margins on the blades. And, and this kind of logic, Basically, you can use it to describe the Gillette business model, but it's very similar. Also, uh, when you talk about printers and printer cartridges from HP, for example, uh, that have been developed since the 1980s, uh, where you always have the same kind of cartridges for the printers, or also um, other products like Nespresso coffee uh, capsules, or uh, some medical devices uh, like in diabetes care. Right, so it's very different industries. It's a medical industry it's coffee it's it's uh, Gillette razors uh, very different industries but it's always the same kind of logic it's a recurring logic and um, so and we have identified 55 uh, business model patterns that basically describe these logics and that have been applied not just in for one product category or one industry but can be transferred to a different uh, to different industries and that's why we say okay when it's transferable uh, then we call it a business model pattern, and you can use it as a blueprint, as a recipe for your own business model. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and there is also one argument that um, I believe you uh, in, there is in the book in the Business Model Navigator, which is um, oftentimes uh, business model innovation is a matter of actually mixing up those uh, those patterns. So it is right. not, not necessary to uh, you know come up with a whole new idea, but just recombining those patterns. So. You, you sort of create a new uh, recipe for, for your business model. Is that right?
2: Yes. So uh, that's another element of it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, a business model itself typically is a combination of several of those patterns. So when you look into them, so we did a lot of case studies, uh, also uh, some are public on Slideshare. When we analyzed business models, let's say for, for example for Tesla, or for Uber or the other yeah, big famous examples for innovation for business model innovation, um, when you look at them you find at least three four five six business model patterns that they have combined in a very smart way that they work, and of course probably they did not just did this do this by um, thinking about it it's a it's a longer process it sometimes take takes uh, several years. Um, but it's typically that what makes a business model really strong is a, is a combination of several patterns.
1: Nice, interesting. So um, there is another um, topic which uh, you covered uh, recently on, on, on your blog, which is uh, about the business model scalability. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about it? How does it work uh, if it's like a framework and what can we do like, to understand whether a business model is scalable or not?
2: Yes. Um so business model scalability basically comes from um the the very old question also every venture capital basically is asking okay, how scalable is your business model right so Of course when they invest like let's say one, two three million, they want to have a high return, so they want to see a high exit uh, i p o whatever right uh, and for that, a business model needs to scale right, and uh, that means that um it can be in very different ways so and and uh, it means that it's geographically can scale into different countries, uh, having more users, and this in a very profitable way um, and we looked into the concept of scalability because we figured out that uh, its sometimes it's not that clear what actually what What is scalability, right? Uh, So, uh, and first of all, we kind of just figured out that it's basically at least two dimensions, Um, and it's good to think in those two dimensions. The one thing is the external scalability. That means, uh, can I scale my business model uh, to more and more users to um, globally? Are there limitations, for example, in terms of regulation? Um, And then there is the other dimension, the internal scalability. That means how efficient uh, can I grow my, my customer base? Uh, do I have like a, a lot of uh, in investments to take, like a lot of capital is bound or is it more very, uh, a very um, light business model, let's say software, right? Where I basically have just initial investment and then no other um, investments to, to basically grow. Um, and this is the internal dimension. So internal dimension is basically a lot about digitization um so how digital is my business model um do i have let's say um physical assets or just digital assets and the external scalability is really about um is there a, a global need for this business model is there uh, regulation am i dependent on natural resources for instance uh this is also basically then either um, promoting or limiting my business model. And in combination, based on these two dimensions, we have drawn, uh, let's say, a diagram, a, a metrics, a two by two metrics, uh, that we call the BMI scalability metrics. And uh, the metrics, of course, you see in the upper right corners are basically the perfectly scalable business models of the digital platforms. Uh, let's say Facebook, uh, Google, etc. cetera. Uh, and you also see that in the evaluation of those companies, that those are the most valuable companies in the world right now because they are the most scalable business models. And on the left, basically lower corner, so basically the less scalable business models, are basically the business models of the past. So let's talk about 100 years old, 200 years old. Uh, let's say the, the butcher in your village or the the bakery or whatever. Right, So they are fixed for long, uh, one location, physical assets, uh, you need a lot of people. It's not digitized at all, and before franchise models, they also haven't been scalable. Um, so um, that's basically in, in, in this kind of metrics you can uh, describe. Where is your business model, right? And then maybe can we make it more scalable? Uh, let's say for example, an Uber is not as scalable as a Google. Yeah, you can see that because there there is physical uh, a lot of physical assets you need. Um, even they uh, don't have their own cars or they also probably have new cars by themselves but uh, But you have uh, much more people involved uh, and then of course the big point is regulation with uber a lot of uh, Obstacles in terms of very every different city every city is different So uber is not is scalable in terms of external scalability um, compared to let's say Facebook
1: mm-hmm. interesting and of course this is uh, this is going to hold true until uh, you know there's not going to be also massive regulation on the digital side on the media side because uh, right now like, companies like Google and facebook has, uh, have enjoyed have enjoyed like uh, a large scale also because uh, there is not yet much uh, regulation because of course they right. in the in the digital world is not in the physical world uh, It's very interesting the the the, the breach that you mentioned like between the physical and the and the digital world where, you know, the, the model that st- sort of uh, started to to make the physical world the most scalable was like the franchise model. Um, so, uh, for, for instance, yeah. this one example might be uh, probably McDonald or, uh, um, you know, other right. uh, Uh, other uh, companies that uh, made uh, this model uh, successful. Um, Is there any uh, business model that uh, you see uh, is actually uh, sort of, uh, will be probably dominating in the future?
2: Um, I mean, what we are looking into, uh, especially with with the research that we are doing in St. Gallen at the university still. So we are, as you said in the introduction, so we are a off from St. Gallen university and we still have our ties to, to some researchers. We're looking very much into circular business models. So basically business business models for a circular economy. Uh, And when talking about circular business models, we also, which is very close, is is ecosystems. So uh, it's not just about your business model anymore. It's really about creating an ecosystem of business models. And then, of course, there's the question, who is the orchestrator? So basically who is designing the whole ecosystem model uh, or basically, are there several orchestrators uh, what's, what's your role? Maybe you are the orchestrator in one ecosystem and maybe you're just just another smaller uh, kind of supplier in another ecosystem. So that's, that is uh, ecosystem strategy, I think becomes more and more important. And of course, sustainability uh, with circular business models, they also need to be uh, sustainable. Otherwise, um, it's, just, it's just pure marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, these are very interesting things, then we look into, uh, of course, digital uh, ledgers technologies, uh, if they kind of will produce new types of platforms, decentralized platforms Mm -hmm. uh, that work uh, different than than the the big centralized platforms that we see today. Uh, That's also a very interesting field that we look into.
1: Yep. And uh, what is a sustainable business model that you have in mind, which you think is a successful one, if any?
2: Um, uh, as I said, so this is really the research that is going on. We see this uh, coming more and more, but of course they have to prove to be uh, successful. Right. This will probably probably take also many probably years, but time. it yes. needs to come. And we also see uh, it from, the, from the, the larger corporations that there's more interest in circular business motivation right now. Uh, than it was maybe before some years ago Um, but of course you have to show that they can really work profitable Uh, but the same was true like in the mid 90s when you have all the e-commerce startups that also haven't been profitable at the times right like the Amazons at the time Uh, so it it, it needs some time and and also people need to get smarter how to make them uh, successful.
1: Yes, okay, and um, instead, uh, you, you mentioned uh, the, the digital ledger. Uh, is, is there any um, patterns that uh, you noticed so far in the, in the blockchain world, like uh, is the blockchain open up, opening up new uh, patterns?:
2: um, Yeah, probably, yes, but uh, we haven't f- it's difficult to to identify patterns until you just see the, the the business model in full uh yeah yeah so the, grown and and successful right? So, right so basically we had a researcher looking into this but we stopped the project actually mm-hmm. because too early
1: interesting yeah so you need you need to wait for commercial viability before you can actually see whether it's going to work, whether the business model is going to be sustainable. So, uh, of course, it takes time because research is is way more rigorous compared uh, you know, to, to to anything else. And it's very interesting what you said um, uh, in your research, of course, you have to wait years also because you need to uh, isolate the, the noise and the marketing effect that those companies, you know, may, some of those may be putting effort in sustainability and those kind of things also because it's good from the marketing standpoint, but then we need to see whether uh, this is going to turn to be uh, effective also from the, the, the uh, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. efficient. So, um, if, uh, is there uh, any uh, person, academics, uh, that uh, you suggest uh, following uh, from, you know, the, the community that they can follow so to be up to date with, with all the research on the business modeling side?
2: From the academia work, like the, the researchers? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, the, the professor that I mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. Professor Oliver Gassman. Um, uh, definitely interesting to follow. And at his institute, there there are some researchers that look into ecosystems um, and that look into digital ledgers technologies like Kijan Schmucki also worked with us and uh, a lot of others. Also uh, Fabian Takas that works together with Caroline Frankenberger, the other professor that wrote the book. Uh, so um, definitely, um, um uh, interesting to to follow them and uh, also um, yeah to to see what what they publish uh, in terms of papers and also uh, probably some some uh, books over the next years yeah yeah so' basically we are writing on a circular business model navigator book right now.
1: Oh, nice, nice. It's going to be a very interesting reading. So as soon as it gets out, let me know because I'll. I'll
2: yes. I'll yeah. We we'll
1: And uh, so, is there a, just last question? Then I will finish this up. Um, is there a companion book that you suggest reading together? Of course, with with the Business Model Navigator.
2: The companion book. Oh. Yeah,
1: like uh, additional books that you can read just to have an additional understanding of the business modeling world. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, it, it really depends where you stand in your own uh, kind of development process. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so if you basically know everything about design thinking and lean startup and the business model canvas, uh, and you don't know the business model navigator, definitely worth reading. Uh, if you if you if you start, I think uh, there are books as as I also mentioned in this podcast, like like lean startup. If you don't know what lean startup is, definitely just look into everything from Steve Blank and and Eric Ries um and also mara uh, also running lean I think was an interesting book for doing interviews um so um yeah um, I think that there's a big literature also corporate startup i think is a very uh good book uh when it's more about when you are more coming from a corporate side um so there's a lot of literature that that is good and uh, that you can recommend. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much, Felix. Uh, it was a pleasure having you here. I hope we're going to do it also in the, in the next future, a uh, second session to go through uh, even more uh, things. And of course, probably the next one it may be about the circular uh, business model, which is going to be a very interesting topic.
2: Yeah, thanks, Gennaro. Thanks for being here.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to the Digital Business Models Podcast, created by 4WeekMBA.com, the leading source of business insights for those wanting to become digital entrepreneurs. Go to 4WeekMBA.com for more top-tier business education.